please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are continuing on our sermon series during the season of Lent on Jesus in the Upper Room. And as we've spoken thus far, this is an intimate time of Jesus with his apostles. And he's imparting these final words. And it sticks out so much in John's mind that it covers five chapters. And so we are on the fourth chapter during this series. And we will finish next week. And many of the themes that we've talked about thus far in chapters 13, 14, and 15 continue to unfold in John chapter 16. And so that's where we are now, is John chapter 16. And what's fascinating is the connector between chapter 15 and chapter 16. You may want to look in your pew Bible, if you don't mind getting it out of the pew rack in front of you. <clears throat> Page 984 of your pew Bible. The end of chapter 15 and the beginning of chapter 16 has an interesting section in there about why Jesus is going where he's going and what the apostles are going to experience. And this section, and Jesus says something like this several times in his ministry, this section always perplexes me. I don't know about you, but it always perplexes me. Here we have the most loving person that ever walked the face of the earth, right? God is love, we say. Jesus is God incarnate. So you've got the most loving person that ever walked the face of the earth. And then Jesus starts talking about how the world hates me. Does that ever catch you off guard? It catches me off guard almost every time I read it. And then the world's going to hate you. Now wait, Jesus is God incarnate, God is love. Jesus did miraculous acts. He fed people. He healed people. He showed acts of compassion constantly in his ministry. So he did all these miracles to try to help and bless people. And then he has all these wonderful, kind words about God's love. And he goes to the cross and he demonstrates God's cross because people hate him. Do you ever find that ironic? And if you ever talk to people about the Lord and you get this violent reaction sometime as I've walked this earth for many years I've seen it happen time and time again now I can't fully comprehend what Jesus experienced but I know that people reacted so violently toward him that it would eventually lead to the cross and his crucifixion why? why did that happen? But part of the reason is, he tells you in this next section, he's told you already, as we're in the upper room with the apostles, if you will, and he continues to tell us, because he speaks truth. He speaks truth. And we don't always want to hear the truth. The fact of the matter is, the reason he went to the cross at all is because we have a problem dealing with the truth of our lives. The fact that we are sinners in need of redemption. The fact that we need a Savior. 
You probably encountered that at one point in your life. So that's why he had to go to the cross. That's why he's talking with them now about he needs to go away. Now actually in the upper room, when he refers to going away, he refers to it in two different ways. Throughout his ministry, the closer he got to Jerusalem, he would say, I'm going to die. So that's one kind of going away. But he talks about how he's going to be with them for a little while, and then he's not going to be with them for a little while, then he's going to leave them, and they're probably saying, what is he talking about? Right? I mean, if you really understand, and you put yourself in the place of the apostles, you put yourself in the upper room, what is he talking about? He's going away, he's going to come back. We don't understand. I mean, we understand it if he's going on a trip, but he's not going on a trip. Right? He's talking about dying. So they can't get their minds around what he's talking about. But he's saying he's going to die. He's saying he's going away. And that's not the, the kind of Messiah that they were anticipating. In fact, Jesus really didn't fit any scenario of the, of the Messiah that people were anticipating during his day. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, even his own. And he said, I must go away. He must go away because the first place he needs to go is the cross. He needs to defeat the power of sin and death. He defeats the power of sin by going to the cross and taking our place, our sin on him, so that we might know salvation. And then he rises again to show that he has power over sin and death, the power to transform our lives. But then in this particular section, his going away seems to mean something different. That he's going to the Father. He's going to the Father, what? So he can send the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about how this particular section of Scripture, John 14 through 16, is probably the most elaborate teaching on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the one telling us. And this is yet another unfolding of what the Holy Spirit will do. His ministry in our lives. But what Jesus is saying, I must go away. Not only once, but I need to go away twice. First to win salvation, and then to ascend to my Father so that I might send the Holy Spirit to you. Because with Jesus, He is locally contained, if you will. He's in one body. But when He sends the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is pervasive. That God's presence with us isn't just with Emmanuel, God with us, because Jesus walked the face of the earth. But now the Holy Spirit is pervasive can move wherever He wills, can walk alongside us, can dwell in us. And that's what Jesus is saying. So He must go away. Not once, but twice. So that we would be able to experience this person, this power in our lives. So with that in mind, we come to verse 7 of chapter 16. Two weeks ago, I mentioned when we were talking about John 14, that Jesus said, I will send you another advocate to be with you. Another advocate. Another advocate. What does that imply? Our first advocate is Jesus Christ. He's the one who walked alongside the apostles first. He's the one that would take their place on the cross. 
their advocate. He's the one that counseled them and directed them and comforted them. And then when he goes away, he's going to send another, the Greek word alos, another just like me, who's going to walk beside you by the Spirit. Parakletos, the one who draws alongside you. And Jesus goes on to say, not only walks alongside you, but will be in you and with you both. So Jesus brings this up yet again. I'm going to send you another advocate. And when the advocate will come, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? He's going to teach you. He's going to declare to you. He's going to reveal to you. And who knows better how to live life, what we need for our lives, than the one who created us? You know, it's interesting. Think about it just for a minute. When you run into a problem in your life, Let's say a health problem. Most of us go to a doctor. We try self-diagnosing for a while, taking care of ourselves for a while, using those home remedies, and then we realize, no, this is more serious than that. I've got to go to a doctor, right? You, get a, you have a law issue, a legal issue. You'll see a lawyer. You might see a lawyer. Don't know. You have a financial issue. You'll see a CPA or a financial advisor. I mean, think of all the realms in our lives where we need someone that does something for us that we can't accomplish for ourselves. We can't do. You know, for those of you that missed it, I talked about this leak in our skylight. Right? You, those of you that were here remember that, okay? You can get the past sermon. Listen to it online or the CD. But anyway, we had a leak in our skylight without going into detail. My wife told me not to do that. Um, but anyway, I fixed it the first time. It didn't work. I fixed it the, the second time, and I said, it better work. I really don't want to call a repairman, but if it doesn't work this time, I'm calling a repairman. And you know what I did? Do you, you ever see those commercials with the screen door? You know, you cover it, and it'll float. You know, water seal. Well, there was a clear one right next to it. So I get the clear one, and I just basically doused the whole corner, including the shingles around it, just everything. And then I got the caulking that I used the week before, and I cut the tube open and I scooped it out and shoved it underneath a cow. It rained Tuesday night and it didn't leak. Praise God! So that's one kind of repairman I didn't need. However, my passenger air light, air, airbag light went off, you know, which means that it's malfunctioning, I thought. And I thought, no big deal. It's only my passenger. Meredith won't mind. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I said to Meredith, before we go on a long trip, i got to get this taken care of. <laughs> so I took it to the mechanic. It was something that I couldn't repair, obviously. And the blessing was I took it there, and they said, oh, they're having a recall. It didn't cost me anything. But I wanted to have that fixed to protect Meredith. And before we went on any kind of long trip, and we went to diocesan convention the last two days up in lovely Florence, South Carolina. So we weren't just driving around on the island, so I got it fixed. I couldn't do that myself. Why is it? Why is it we think we can do it on our own without the help and power of the Holy Spirit to love people the way God intends for us to love them. 
Why is it we think we can live a righteous life apart from His power? That we would even think that we understand what a righteous life is apart from His Word. Because, see, when we make up our own rules, guess what? We're all perfect. We're all righteous. But when we seek to live into His will and His way, when it comes to loving, when it talks to holiness, talks about holiness, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't do this on your own. And when you try, you will fall short. And if you listen to the reading from 1 John, the first reading that we had this morning, same author, he says, and if you think you don't sin, you're basically deceiving yourself. And if you say you don't sin, you're a liar. And we love to kick into denial. When in reality, we all fall short. When in reality, we can't do it on our own the way God intends. And that's why He needed to die on a cross for us. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to be able to live effectively, lovingly, to serve other people around us. So Jesus said, I will send you another advocate who will guide you in all truth, who will be with you and in you. Because that's what God wants for us and for those around us. So that they would understand God's love and God's holiness. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. God is holy and God is love. And it's only through Him and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can become like Him. Instead of trying to do it on our own. Then Jesus goes on to say, this is verses 8 through 11, when He comes, what is the Holy Spirit going to, to do? He will prove the world wrong about sin, about righteousness, and about Judgment. He will prove the world wrong. Who here likes to be proven wrong? I don't. And most of us think it rarely happens anyway, right? Nobody likes to be proven wrong. But what this says is the world's way of doing it. We missed the mark. That's one description of sin. We miss it. Another description is we're out of relationship, a broken relationship with God, so we're really not even in tune with Him. What righteousness really is, we just talked about. We have our own rules, not God's way. Judgment. You know, we all make judgment calls. Think about it. You judge what is right. You judge what is good, what is not good. And we make judgment calls all the time about people's lives, about food, 
about what we watch, about what we read. We make judgment calls all the time. And the question is, by what are we evaluating? It gets back to, is it the world's standard? Is it my standard? Or is it God's standard? That which is right, that which is good, that which is holy, that which is loving. And that's why the Holy Spirit's going to come and address this, because the Holy Spirit is coming to bring God's truth, to elaborate on Jesus' truth, to bring Jesus' truth to mind for the apostles. And you know, sin in reality comes out of either unbelief or disbelief. Either we don't believe in God, in Jesus Christ in the first place, or we disbelieve what we've heard about Him, about the holy life, about God's righteousness, about God's Word. And then we sin because we refuse to come under the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the Holy Spirit. That's where sin comes from. It's when we break relationships with God first and then with other people. It's when we hurt other people and we hurt ourselves. Sin is brokenness. And God wants to bring us healing. He wants to bring us salvation. And so the Holy Spirit comes into our world, into our lives, to convict us, to convince us of God's truth. And then we have a choice. And our choice is, do we turn to Him or do we turn away from Him? See, because when conviction happens, we either hide or we come clean. If we recognize that we need salvation, we need a Savior, we will seek Him. And when we seek Him, we will be willing to come under His Lordship. But if we don't want a Savior, then we don't want a Lord. We don't want anyone telling us how it is. Because we're the ones that say how it is. We want to be the Lord of our lives. But Jesus says the Holy Spirit will declare it to you declaration. It says it twice. You know, that's really what judgment is. Judgment is speaking the truth. That's what judgment is. If you think about it. When you make a judgment call that is accurate, you're speaking the truth about someone, about a situation. Or get more basic about food or a restaurant. We are speaking the truth into that situation. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit brings us, as Jesus goes on to say, verses 12 through 15, will guide us into all truth. He's going to declare the truth to us. And the question is, do we want the truth? The truth about our lives. The truth of what we need. Do we want the truth? How do you have 
an honest relationship without truth? How do you make a right judgment without truth? It's going to be hit or miss at best to make a right judgment without truth. It's going to be really hard to build depth and intimacy in relationship without truth. We need truth. If we're going to get it right, we need truth. If we're going to have love, we need truth. That's what God wants for us. He doesn't play games, He doesn't hide. Jesus didn't go away and say, it's because I don't want you to see me anymore. It's because I don't want you to know me. It's because you need what I'm going to do on the cross for your sin. You need the Holy Spirit to come into your life and transform you. That's what you need. That's why I'm going away. That's what God wants for us. The truth. And that's what the Holy Spirit will declare to us. You know, there's a wonderful scripture. You don't need to turn there now unless you want to. But I invite you to maybe look at when you get home. It's in the outline. So you'll be able to see it. This is from Psalm 85. Listen to these words because it's a wonderful, wonderful description of what we're talking about. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Think about it. Steadfast love. Loving kindness, agape love, sacrificial love, that's what the word is in Hebrew. Steadfast love, God's kind of love, and righteousness meet. Where do they meet? They meet in the person of Jesus Christ. And who brings us that truth, that reality to our lives? The Holy Spirit. And then that verse goes on to say, righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Isn't that a great image? Righteousness, righteousness, there's that holy life and peace, that reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ where we experience the outpouring of his love and we know that contentment like we can't know apart from him. And they kiss each other, there's that intimacy. That's God's design for our lives. That's what God wants for his people in relationship with him and with each other. That's why the Spirit brings truth for our lives. Jesus goes on to say something that sometimes this might strike you rather odd too. He will glorify me. Does that sound a tad bit egotistical? He's going to glorify me. See, you need to understand what that glorify me is all about. Because Jesus said three times in John's Gospel... John chapter 3, John chapter 8, and John chapter 12, he says it over and over again that he's going to be glorified by the Father, by the Holy Spirit. And he says it here again, but about the Holy Spirit in particular. What's he talking about? Well, in particular, if you look at John chapter 12, verses 32 to 34, you will see he's talking about, because the scripture says, and this is to reveal what manner that he would die. That he would die. 
that I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to myself. He's talking about being lifted up on the cross. When Jesus is talking here about the Holy Spirit glorifying Him, He's talking about the Holy Spirit is going to point out the purpose and the work of the cross, which is to bring us salvation, to bring us to that reconciled relationship with God so that we can know the filling of the Holy Spirit, so that we can know His transforming power, so that we can be the people of love that God desires us to be, and holy people, His holy people. That's what glorification is all about. To glorify basically is to put the spotlight on. What do we glorify? What do we glorify in our culture, in our world? Beauty? Athleticism? Success? Money? Power? Wealth? Comfort, happiness. We glorify the world's values. That sometimes obscure God. Because they get the spotlight. That's why the Holy Spirit comes to prove the world is wrong about sin and righteousness. judgment. What God glorifies is a sacrificial love, a sacrificial life. What God glorifies is a life given over wholly and completely to Him, which is what Jesus did. And you see in this moment that the Father declares to Jesus, Jesus declares to the world, And the Spirit confirms that declaration for everyone. That's what Jesus is saying here. Why? Why? You know, we ended last week talking about joy. So that my joy might be in you. And your joy might be complete. That's how we ended last week. Let me read to you from John 16, 24. Not contained in the verses that we read this morning. Until now you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be complete. That's God's desire for us. That ultimately we would know His joy because we know His love, because we understand His call to a holy life, because He wants us to experience that peace, that contentment in our relationship with Him, that we would come to an understanding of that deep abiding joy because we live in relationship with Him. That's what He wants for you, for me. And you have a choice. You have a choice. When Jesus was saying some challenging words to his apostles and disciples, right after he fed the 5,000, 
right after people were touched by his compassion, his miraculous hand. Jesus said, let me understand what it is you're called to. And this is the response. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So you have a choice. And your choice is, after you hear these words, and after you leave this place, whether you're walking from Jesus or whether you're walking with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gives you the choice. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, each Sunday we celebrate through word and sacrament the gift that you've given to us in your Son. The gift that you've given to us in his sacrifice for our sin. The fact that by your Holy Spirit you can dwell in us. And that's why we take in the bread and take in the wine. But Lord, as we walk out of this place, we have the call of the world around us. What the world values is righteousness. What the world puts the spotlight on. And we end up living under our own power. Under our own sense of righteousness. Out of our own sense of love, which is often selfish. Lord God, I pray this day that each of us would know the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, the filling of our hearts and our souls and our lives, that we might be transformed and learn what it means that because you are love, that we would become more loving. And because you are holy, that we might become more holy and righteous. Lord, help us to be a people who understand we need a Savior, who desire for Jesus to be Lord and to live being empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit, that we might know your joy this day and forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.